You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word, we focus on him, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that he's given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York, studying with you each and every day. We're going through the Gospel of John, and we are on chapter 11 today. Before we get started, I want to invite you to download the Sound of Heaven mobile app. If you go to soh.church, you can learn about Sound of Heaven, but also download a free digital Bible. Uh, and it's more than that. It is a an online community where you can pray with us, you can chat with us, you can hear all of our teachings, read articles, a lot of great stuff on there. And if you're listening where you can get podcasts, Give a like, give a share, subscribe, set your notifications, and please, by all means, pass the stream along. We're getting more and more folks jumping on every day with us. And if you're with us for the first time today, welcome. I hope that uh, you enjoy studying with us, and I hope you consider going back to the beginning and starting with John 1, because by the time we're done, we're going to have the whole Gospel of John line by line studied out and we pull out nuggets each and every day. Okay, so we are in John 11, like I had said. And if you recall from yesterday, we see Jesus hearing about his friend Lazarus and heading back toward Judea. His disciples are saying, Jesus, are you sure you want to do that? Last time the chief priests and the religious leaders saw you, they picked up stones to kill you. And Jesus basically tells them, there's more work to do, guys, and we all know what this is leading to. It's leading to the cross. They probably didn't get it. Jesus was alluding to it uh, the whole way, but uh, you know his disciples, obviously, starting to become very attached to him, don't want to come to the realization as to what the fate of Jesus is, at least in this earthly body. So he's heading back now, and we see Thomas uh, in uh, verse. 16 say, if they're going to kill us, let them kill us. Basically, they say, let us also go that we may die with him. And if you remember, we touched on yesterday the fact that Thomas, full of zeal, was willing to die for Jesus. What I had encouraged you all to consider is what it means to live with Jesus. And I, I get it. You know, I, I would die for my Lord and Savior too, but it's not my time yet. And it's my job now to live with him and to be the light to this world. I hope you feel that same way about you. So let's go and move on to verse 17 and start our study today. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. I'm just going to stop here. Why is four days significant? Well, if you remember, Jesus waited two days. Now, you could say that he knew what the outcome was going to be, so he wasn't worried about it. Okay, but if you do a study of the Jewish culture, and especially in that first century, there was the belief that the soul would hang around the body for three days. There's some writings that say three to seven days, but pretty much after three days, it was believed that the soul abandons the body and heads off where it heads off. Now, I don't subscribe to this, but this was what the culture believed. So it's interesting that Jesus waited till the fourth day to show up. 
he waited to the point where everybody would have had the belief that all was lost, that the soul wasn't even there anymore. So it was like at that tipping point of hopelessness that now all of a sudden Jesus shows up. And sometimes it takes that. If you remember in in the uh, previous verses that we read, he said to his disciples, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. And I believe what he meant by that was, look, you've seen me laying hands on the sick and then recovering. If I was there and Lazarus was sick, it would have been just another miracle to you. But watch what I'm watch what's going to happen now. So sometimes not that God withholds from us, but you know, his miracles, the things in his life are not just for our comfort and our, uh, you know, our well being, although they are they're for his glory. Right. So in this case, they had that tipping point of hopelessness and then Jesus comes through. Let's, let's continue reading. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So Martha's saying to Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. She's probably not wrong about that, Uh, but you weren't. And the misunderstanding here might be that just because, and we said, we touched on this big time yesterday as well, that just because we have mishaps or losses in our life doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Doesn't mean that God turns a uh, blind eye to us. And if you see Jesus delayed two days, Right. And one thing that we should consider as well, that delay in our life doesn't mean denial, which is obviously here. And scripture tells us that we will reap in due season. What if we don't lose heart? A lot of times we lose heart. We change our actions. We try to take things back onto ourselves and say, all right, God, if you're not moving as fast as I want you to move, maybe you're not, you're going to move on my behalf and I'm going to do it myself and take care of it myself. Well, uh, or we lose heart completely and we just give up. But scripture tells us that if we are patient and if that the trying of our faith produces patience, and if we let patience have its perfect work, we become mature and strong, and then we lack nothing. Because if your faith is strong, then you can get through to the other side. And scripture says that it, we will reap, we will gather, we will be rewarded in due season if we don't lose heart. So if you're struggling right now, if you feel like you've been delayed uh, too long, if you feel like giving up, I'm telling you, don't give up, don't lose heart. You will reap in due season if you don't lose heart. Let's keep going. Verse 22, but I know that even now God will answer whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So notice how Jesus doesn't look to God and say, God, please, please. Jesus was in a position of authority. And he just makes the statement, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha answers in verse 24, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Martha is talking about hope in the future, hope in the afterlife. And I've said this a couple times as we are studying here, that earth is not a waiting room for heaven. The whole idea, the concept that Jesus was trying to put together is that we can bring to earth the things that are in heaven. We can, we can stop the flow of tears. We can stop the pain. We can heal the sicknesses. He's given us all the power. Jesus says, I have the keys to the kingdom. Therefore, go. That's in the Great Commission. So because he has authority and we are his followers, we have authority on this earth as well to operate as he did. And Martha right now is saying, you know, I know one day he'll resurrect. And Jesus says, no, I'm the resurrection in the life. The author and the source of eternal life is standing right before you. He's asserting himself there again. And he says, do you believe this? And as we know, that's the key. Do you believe this? I ask you today. Miracle working God, do you believe it? Verse 27, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Verse 28, after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. It's significant that she called him teacher because, by the way, in the rabbinical uh, culture, they did not teach women. So the fact that she, Jesus obviously did not subscribe to that, right? That was another thing, how women were treated or how women were viewed by the world in terms of the eyes of God. God has always looked at women in that way, but the structure and how they viewed women was changing, right? In, in the New Testament, it says there is no male nor female, Jew nor Greek, all basically God doesn't have any favorites, okay? Verse 30. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out and they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. And the thought of Jesus weeping, it, it is such a um, beautiful thing to, to realize that the manifestation of God's compassion in human form is weeping. And that weeping is not necessarily a sign of, of weakness. Now, we can definitely say that Jesus wasn't uncontrollably weeping. He didn't lose control, right? But Jesus is there for us. We don't serve a God that is a cold God. We see him filling up with tears, looking. at. He does this a couple times. He also does this when he looks upon Jerusalem. And he says to Jerusalem, oh, I wish I could have gathered you. Because when we have that separation in our mind and in our heart from God, and we're in that state, it moves God. 
God desires that you would know him and know him uh, better, that you would have a better relationship with him, that you would have more faith in him. And, and it's not because he, it's not to feed his ego. It's because your life depends on it. You will live a better life if you trust God. Let's keep going. So Jesus wept. Then the Jews said how he loved him. But then others said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? So they're starting to question saying, you know, and I read this a couple different ways. One, like he did that. Can he do this? And I can relate to that. I look at things in my life that I know God has done and things in other people's lives. And as an example, and I say, you know, you come across a challenge and you say, God, if you did this, you can do this. But then also this may have been words of doubt here of like, oh, well, he could do this. Maybe he can't do this. Like what is too strong for, for Jesus? Nothing. And they're going to come and they're going to learn this. Let's keep going here because we're coming up on our 1%. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. They would have these tombs. And what they would do is in the Jewish culture, they would get them buried as quickly as possible. For the reason that I told you, they felt the soul would wander around and they didn't want the soul to be confused. Now, whether or not that is a real thing is, is we can have that conversation another time. But this is what they believe. So they would take and they would lay a big stone across. And Jesus in verse 39 says, take away the stone. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the, of the man who had died. By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So Martha is concerned to, to move away the stone because there'll be a stench. I want to keep reading and I want to come back to this and that's how we're going to close it out. It says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus was always pointing back to the kingdom and the father because he knew that those who would follow him after he was gone, that even the miracles they would do. Listen, you have miracle working hands. If you look at your hands right now, they are miracle working hands. God will work miracles through you. But it's important that when he does, that you point up. Because the source, you and I can't do these things on our own, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. Okay. Verse 43. When he had said this, he, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Now, when somebody died, they would wrap them in a shroud, wrap them in grave clothes. And they would put them in there. And I think it's so significant that Mary, Martha, excuse me, did not want the stone removed because what she thought was alive was now dead. And how many of us take the things in our life that uh, hopes that we're close to, that we, that we strive for, and we think they're dead and we put them away and we roll the stone over it and we tuck them away. And then we come across some hope, and we're afraid to move that stone because we're afraid of what's inside. We're afraid that the, our dreams, our hopes, our goals, what we want in this life, that's going to stink. 
But Jesus says, open, let the light shine on that thing. And I hope you hear what I'm saying here, that there are probably things that are tucked away. There are probably things that are wrapped in grave clothes. What in your life have you wrapped in grave clothes and put behind a rock and forgotten about and just were ready to move on and say, that's never going to happen. God wants to resurrect that today. We serve a resurrecting God, one that can take you from death to life in every area of your life. And Jesus is the example of that. And if you see what happens in the rest of this chapter, so many people come to know him through the miracle, through the understanding that if, if, if death can be defeated, what else can be defeated? It's everything. There's nothing that can't be defeated. That's an adversary to you. If you would just believe in God. So that's my prayer for you today. As we continue on, if we close out rather, as we have gone a little bit over our 1% here, but what in your life have you put the grave clothes on and tucked away thinking that is hopeless? I pray that the hope is restored, understanding that you serve a God that resurrects from the dead. And that means eternal life after this world, but I keep saying it day in and day out, that that resurrection power is for you here today. Be willing to live and walk in that resurrection power and understand that nothing is impossible for you today. If you would believe, you will see the glory. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that you bring us together for another awesome study. I thank you for every man, woman, and child listening here and studying with me. Bless them, Lord God. Fill them with hope that you are a resurrecting God, that there is nothing in their life that is gone, disqualified, or dead that you can't resurrect. Just say that to him. Just whatever it is on your heart, say, God, bring this to life. Do a new thing in my life. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor Jay D'Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park. You're listening to the 1% Christian. We're going to close out chapter 11 tomorrow and maybe even start chapter 12. I love you guys. <laughs>